We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores, the games every day, just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by Indeed and BetOnline.ag. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. After a frustrating night, Lakers lose to the Blazers 115-107. to uh, Third game in four nights, back-to-back. We've talked a lot about the quick turnaround, and there's all these reasons for these lackluster early season games. We watched the Clippers make history falling down by 50 in the first half the other day. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And, but with all of the, uh, you know, caveats and reasons why I, I find myself very irritated tonight. And um, there was just not the competitive spirit in this game, um, particularly from Anthony Davis to a lesser extent, Montrez Harrell, a couple other guys um, in a season where, you know, where the defending champs, it's a long season, 72 games. We're in game four, right? Ultimately, this game in the grand scheme of things does not matter in terms of the result, but the process and the journey of getting to where we want to be, that does matter, right? And and every day counts in that. This was a day where I did not feel like we got a whole lot accomplished because of uh, just general lack of, of competitive spirit. We started out well. LeBron in particular got us off to a hot start. We're watching the replay right now in the background and uh, Lakers started out, I think, 20 to nine, something like that. And 27, yeah. Yeah. And then as soon as LeBron checked out of the game, the whole, all the energy got sucked out of the gym. And I, I'm particularly frustrated with Anthony Davis tonight uh, because he just did not he didn't compete. He played, played 38 minutes and it just wasn't to the level of of what we need from him. And when one of your leaders is playing that way, everybody else is going to follow. So um, Darius, do you share my, I saw some tweets indicating that you do just my irritation. And what did you see uh, from, from AD in particular tonight? Look, I don't think AD's played particularly well all season. Mm-hmm. There's been four games. He's missed a game. So he's played in three games. Um, I thought this game against the Blazers resembled very much like maybe Anthony Davis got a championship ring before the game star started because it reminded me a lot of opening night. Um, 
he floated around a lot um offensively um he so there are several indicators to me when anthony davis is engaged as a player um one thing i always look for with him is where's he catching the ball when he's trying to post up and um he he had robert covington guard guarding him so this isn't a physical matchup for him if he wants to stand his ground against a guy like cove covington he he is more than capable of doing that and and forcing physicality in retaliation to the physicality that he could exert right and and, and so but ad was more than happy to get pushed out to 18 or 20 feet on a post touch right where then he's playing back to the basket and then turning and facing from from 18 feet that's a perfectly reasonable approach against a much bigger player like a Nurkic or you know the Lakers just played this poor Portland team and he played a ton of minutes against Nurkic and Whiteside and it was perfectly fine to space those guys out to 18 to 20 feet and then use his quickness as an advantage that's not where his advantage is against a player like Robert Covington his his advantage is playing much closer to the basket and in the second half he got a couple of deep post touches one foot in the paint or a step outside the paint and he scored fairly easily and that's when I knew that he was more engaged than what he was during the first part of the game the second thing I noticed is that he's not as engaged defensively either so this was just and you see this with rotations you see it in how he's fighting around um screens interior screens that the Blazers like to set for their big men he got tripped up a couple of times he argued with the refs a lot it was a very sort of complacent game from Anthony Davis. And I said this on Twitter and I'll say it again. Obviously we're critiquing AD pretty hard right now. We know the level that he can reach, which is what I think makes performances like this frustrating, but it also places them in a certain context for me as well. This isn't the playoffs. It's not a game four or game five. It's not a clinching game or an opportunity to go up 3-1 in, in a series. I think AD understands the stakes of games like this, but there are different types of stakes when it comes to the regular season and setting the tone matters to me. Um, I think some of what you were talking about, Pete, I know it matters to you. We've been doing this a long time together. Mike, what were you seeing out there? And, and do you sort of share... Pete and I's perspective, or are you taking more of a big picture view, like one bad night or a couple of bad, bad nights, quick turn, turn around, all of the caveats that we know are real and actually apply? Like, because normally you're pretty good at talking us down. Both of those things are true. So uh, as you guys were talking, and Pete, as Pete mentioned, so I've got the game on in the background as a rewatch, and the Lakers didn't score from the 630 mark of the first quarter when LeBron sat until that Matthews breakaway layup with 212 left. And it was just shot settling and no, like as Pete mentioned, the oomph in the building just went out and I was in the building and it's already, here's, here's the thing that I, the sort of bigger picture perspective, that's the kind of game back to back second night where the home crowd lifts you up some and there that, so LeBron brought the energy early and he was great. Like he was, I was, and I'm just sitting there appreciating him. You're 18 back to back sprained ankle finals MVP. 
And he goes out there and just crushes Portland for six minutes and then takes a seat. Like we, we really need to just pause and, and just give that a thought of, of the unique level. And that's what, you know, in Los Angeles, certainly in kind of fans around the world, we're used to seeing that kind of thing from Kobe, um, especially pre Achilles. Like he, whatever the situation was, he was going to bring it like he was Kobe. And so that was cool to see. And then when that went out, it, it's, it also went out to the rest of the building. And I think it's accurate to, be looking at ad more in this context and here's why on the pre-pod the preview pods that we did for the season we all had him as an mvp candidate and we thought hey you know maybe he is going to take that leap from the player that we just saw in the bubble dominating everybody on both ends of the court so we just saw all that it's all on tape right it's all that it's all in the film room they can all go check it out and what his but Here's the the sort of big picture element to to the AD thing to kick back to you about. If you just listen to him talk post game, he's not there yet about that pursuit this season. He's still getting into it. it so here's here's the quote. Um, I just wanted to fit in. That was in that was in his quote. At like go, knowing how well the Lakers played against the Timberwolves. He just he started this game wanting to fit in. And there's never a time where Frank Vogel or LeBron or anybody on the team is going to be like, AD, you're taking too many shots. AD, uh, you know, get out of the post. So he's just he's in a different mind space right now, Pete. And I don't know when that will shift, uh, it, but it will come. And when it does, everything will be returned back to normal, because for the most part, the rest of these guys are giving us what you would have expected from them. Yeah, the the shifting the mentality though like i can't think of a single reason why he would be unable to shift that mentality that wouldn't also apply to lebron right and like lebron got back cut by Derek jones a couple times he made some mistakes and so i i don't want to make it out as though lebron played some perfect game but he had that umph right to start the game like you said he was incredible those first five and a half minutes of the game and if lebron's able to do that in year 18 if i'm a 27 year old anthony davis i i'm looking at that like i i don't see the reason Ex experience though experience like lebron has won titles before he's had to start seasons after that before he he and ad darius were actually talking the same way the last couple of weeks about how this lack of off season, it's going to be hard. Like we got to give it time, but then LeBron's able to kind of, you know, shift into that different mode. I think cause he's been there, done that before. And AD is kind of going through the process of learning it, but I, I don't know, maybe you see something different there. No, actually it's, I agree with what you guys are saying. And a point that I would make is that if the roles were reversed in this and it was AD who was, coming out like gangbusters and he was sort of carrying the team and it was LeBron who was sort of taking nights off or like we might sort of need the LeBron some from a leadership standpoint or from a setting an example standpoint but we would contextualize all of that because not only is the like, oh, he's played 60,000 plus career minutes and he's in year 18 and he's going to be 36 in two days or whatever. But none of us, I don't think there's any player in the entire league and there's no one from an analyst 
perspective that should be trusted more than LeBron to understand the process, his own process that he needs to in order to ramp up to get to the point where he's competing at the highest level at the appropriate points in the season. He's just proven that over and over and over again through his illustrious career, right? Eight straight finals, four championships, right? And 10 finals overall. Like he's just, he's LeBron. And AD was clearly a monster in the playoff run, but this is new territory for him. And navigating this is something that he's going to have to go through on his own terms no one can teach him this just like no one could teach him what it was actually going to take to rise to the level that he did during the playoffs he did that himself right and so lebron could be in his ear rondo could be in his ear all of these guys who had won championships before could be in his ear but no one's going to go out there and play the game for you you got to do it yourself and ad did that during the postseason and that's why Look, playing a little flat at this stage of the season, it's it's frustrating, I think, more so for me relative to what I think we all expected of him as a player who is in his physical prime and looked primed as well to take that next step. And it, he's just not taken it yet. Am I weird? For thinking that way, like, because I know that there are like, we all have our own expectations and someone else falling short of those probably is maybe a me problem and not necessarily a him no, problem. No, 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 no. We are old enough to have seen Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, LeBron James, right now, Anthony Davis. And now, and we've seen others. That's not even counting Powell. That's not counting James, James Worthy. Yeah. That's right. There's, there's like plenty of hall of famers. I'm talking like the, the gods of basketball, right? Cream and magic and all of them dudes. Anthony Davis has that type of talent. He does. He's capable of all of that. And, but part of that is, is mentality, Right. And like this, a game like tonight with all of the caveats, it's like, no, man, like there's, especially when you got a 36 year old LeBron or about to be on Wednesday, a 36 year old LeBron out there kicking ass to the degree that he can. And and even in the games that like the game against the Timberwolves, obviously a lesser opponent or the Dallas game, LeBron will be in control. Right. And he'll go on burst, but he's not, he knows when to, turn it on and, and and dial it back and whatnot. But Anthony Davis does not have a block shot this season. We just finished the fourth game and he played in three of them. Anthony Davis does not have a block shot this season. And it, it speaks to that. Like in the grand scheme of things, this does not matter from a, no, that's not true. It does matter. Every day matters. Every day matters. But it, the result does not matter. It's just that mentality of what you said, Mike, about that quote, uh, his quote about fitting in. You're Anthony Davis. You're never going to fit in. That is not your job. People, people are supposed to fit in around you. Like, right. And- yeah. So you're you're both right. Uh, the the way that Davis and, and I'll just I'll share one other nugget from what he said post game. He feels like this year, these three games he's been almost exclusively guarding wings who are taking him out to the perimeter. Uh, That is the whole game plan for opponents to try to keep him away from the rim. And usually though, to Pete's point, he would find a way to come over on the weak side of the key moment. And he would just be playing some more minutes at center. So in the first couple of games, he played very few minutes at center. 
he was almost always out there with either Gasol or Harrell, um, even, you know, Keefe a couple times. Tonight's game, he was only at center, I think, for the final like minute and 30 seconds. And they had Trez on the perimeter, which wasn't working very well uh, as, you know, Portland was able to hunt him with Lillard and McCollum on switches. And so he he wasn't really in the spot that he usually is. So that's half. And then the other half, I think, is just his overall general engagement going from winning the title his in that that highest of basketball highs, everything clicking the defense in game six, they're all in a string together. And then you get out there in the regular season in this cavernous empty arena. I'm one of like 75 people in the building and it's it is just a little different. And so I it will evolve. It will get going. Um, Going in the road, I think, will help some like it's all going to be fine. Uh, The Lakers almost won this game despite you know, not having played well for more than the first six minutes like that. Sure. It's, it's all going to be fine, but it's, it's the whole Bronx tail wasted talent thing. Like we've seen it now. We've seen how good this team can be. They just scored a billion points in the previous two games. And when it's not there and there are obvious reasons why it is frustrating for somebody that, that, that supports or covers that team to see. It's just that, you know, so that's, that's fair, but it's also, it's also cool to keep that perspective that there are some clear reasons why it's happening. So Mike, you, so you made a bunch of really good points there. Um, and I think some, some of this stuff is, is probably stuff that we should hit on the other side of the break. We are recording this right after a loss. And I think right after a loss, it's very easy to like dwell on the thing that we just saw. Um, we, we had to kick this, pod down the road a couple of days based off of just some some scheduling things that that popped up we could have recorded this on christmas night and we would have been laughing it up and talking a bunch of crap about oh we'll, the game we'll we do that talk. yes we'll do that in the second segment yeah and, but i i need to be annoyed about this game because oh game no like- for sure because i'm still annoyed about it one of the things though that um and Stop me if you think that this is something that you do want to hit a bit later, but I still think Vogel is willing to like give up a win here or there in order to get data on what he thinks is going to work and is not going to work in, in the long, long term. And I get that we just saw Harold in the playoffs struggle as a defensive five against a big center in both in isolation and in pick and roll situations. Um, And I thought it would have been already sort of common knowledge to say, like, let's not put him in those situations. Um, If you want to play Harold, that's fine. Um, I thought it would have been fine to play Harold. I would have probably just put him on Robert Cove Covington instead of putting AD on on Rocco. And then you have AD guard Nurk. And then you then bring AD back into the fold into some of those comfort zones that Mike was talking about earlier in, in terms of being more at the point, point of attack and pick and roll um, or or back at the basket where he's then help helping off of a non-floor spacer rather than having to rotate the way that he was off, off of Cove Covington. But I do think that some of that is just Vogel trying to see what's going to work and, and what's not Pete. I see you shaking in your head. 
but if if you don't compete, the data doesn't matter. Like it's it's mostly useless, right? Like we didn't learn much in we learned that Damian Lillard can hit pull up threes when Trez is dropped like deep into the paint. Like no shit. You know, they shot 46 threes in this game as as a result of things like that, right? And so just like the level of competition, yes, we are in the hey, does this guy play well with that guy? Does this lineup work together? Can we play Trez in this coverage but not that coverage? We're in that point of the season. I get all of that. But there has to be a certain baseline level of competition from your main guys in order to have that to to get the answers and to collect data that's worth applying down the road. And this is, mind you, my standards are fairly low right now because of the circumstances, but this game in particular did not match those. So I agree with the, the point and Vogel's Vogel coaching for the long game is very consistent with how he's coached last season. And I get all of that. I'm just saying it doesn't matter that much if we play this way. Well, let's you know the, you know the hold on one sec for Pete before you go, go to break. You know the real reason they lost tonight though. Uh oh, what's that? You guys, you guys you guys don't know? No. I know. But go ahead, share it. Caruso, bro. That's right. Oh yeah. That's right. No, we could have used him. We could have no, used him. We needed to share it, man. I'm not, I'm yeah, not, I'm not, not making a joke. Yeah, he, man. <laughs> Go ahead, Darius. Take it for me. No, no. Mike, stop making a joke, man. Alex Caruso is the Lakers' most versatile perimeter defender. He defends well against Portland. He is good against Dame. He's good against CJ. I thought he would have been good against Gary Trent Jr. There were a couple of plays where um, THT, God bless his massive hands and heart, that he was he was out of position defensively he got sucked in on on a help play where he had no business being dropping that low towards the defensive paint and Trent hit a wide open three this was after a play where he did not lock and trail effectively and he got there late and he thought his closeout was not late and you saw him sort of shake his head like how did he make that Bro, he made that because he'd been hot all game and you were not locking and trailing correctly. That's right. Right. And, and and so the those are learning, those are teachable moments for a guy like like THT. But this goes back to the point we were making about Vogel too, right? So Vogel could have played AD, right? Or you could have had AC in there and you likely get different results, but that's not how it went this game i just want to reiterate though i share your frustrations about a game like this there is a baseline level of competitiveness that your guys your key guys need need to show and there were three or four guys who showed that level this game and there were three or four guys who didn't and you look at the plus minus for this game, almost all the starters had a good plus minus and almost all the bench guys had a bad plus minus. Um, there are some things that still need to be figured out with this bench group, Wes Matthews. It was not a great Kuzma game, this game. This was just not a great game from the Lakers. I'd be less upset if it was just a loss, And but... 
the process and the way that they competed this game is what's lingering with me as that bad taste that's in my mouth. And, and so Pete, I'm with you. I think Mike is, is probably feeling some of those frustrations as well. Even if I do agree with what you're saying to Mike about like some of the big picture stuff and working for the long view a bit more with this. Oh, yeah. So both things are true. Yeah. Let's uh let's try to shelve those frustrations because we've had a couple of games prior to this that, like you said, would the mood mood would have been different. And I think that in the process of getting better, this is a this to me is like a coach. Sometimes we'd have a bad practice when I when I would coach, I'd be irritated as hell. You got to leave that in that day. Uh, but this is my irritation that night. And then tomorrow's a new day. We've also had some very good days of progress. So let's take a break. And when we come back, I want to talk about some of the uh, steps forward that I, I think we've made over, you know, prior to this, this game. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't, you have to keep moving. And that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because indeed gets the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. You can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with our $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com backslash BlueWire. Offers valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The wait is finally over and football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. So Mark Gasol has started to gain a bit of his footing over the last couple of games. Um, he led the Lakers, I, I believe he led the team, with eight assists uh, in the game against Minnesota. Uh, we had 32 assists in that game. I wanted to talk to you guys about the general passing of the team. I want to save that for to really get into that to a, a later date. Um, but what's really stood out to me, and this was true in this game, I believe Mark was a plus 14 in like 18 minutes in this game. And one of the things that I've been trying to see, like project down the road is his defense, right? And seeing where he is a good defender, but if he's too deep in a drop, guys can go over the top of him. We saw Luca do this a little bit on Christmas. Uh, and we know that he's not particularly fleet of foot. So how do you navigate that in a way that you can get valuable defensive minutes from him? And one thing that I really loved in this, the game before, and even this game was how he 
blitzed and did defend out on the perimeter. I used to trap a lot when I coached uh, on, on the high school level. And one of the things that were a real core principle of that, that Marcus Gasol cannot stay in front of CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard, or really any NBA guard on his own. But what he can do is prevent himself from being beaten in one direction or another. And this, along with kind of the floor bound strip blocks that he gets before, you know, the guy even brings it above his head. Um, seeing Mark go out to the perimeter and just be like, don't get beat baseline. And that's usually his responsibility is to put your foot. And this is how you teach it, right? Is like you put your foot on that sideline and you just cut that angle off. If he beats you the other way, that's the fault of the guard, right? The guard's job is to keep him is to can't control middle and all of that. And Mark executes those principles really well. And, and so you see that application of his IQ and, um, and we saw just some of the brilliant passes that he, he made Mike, it looks like Mark's starting to get his footing. What are you seeing from him over these last couple of games? Yeah. So he was terrific in the Timberwolves game. Uh, now that was, it's a little bit tough to take too much out of that because the Timberwolves were, you know, not playing very effective big man lineups. Uh, Nas mm-hmm. Reed started at center and they didn't really, I mean, Ed Davis basically came in and played backup center and Mark was playing against those guys for much of the minutes. Uh, they're the Wolves power forwards had scored. I think have now scored two points total uh-huh. in the three games <laughs> yeah. they played. And so Mark was just dicing these dudes up, man. It, it was uh, that that was, but it was great to see how he was moving physically. He only took four shots, three of them were threes. He made them all. Uh, he blocked four shots. Like he, everything was on, and that was a really good sign. And I did think that that carried pretty well into this game um, on a back to back. And again, another reason for it is because Nurkic is one of those pretty good matchups for him. Uh, Nurkic isn't going to be able to do a ton with Marcus. I think Jokic is another good matchup for him in terms of him being able to stay on the floor more. And P, yeah, you're right. I think Mark was a, a plus 14 on the evening and they probably would have been better off with him in this case, closing that game. He just hadn't played in a while. And sometimes Frank will get into that. So same thing with Marquise Morris. Uh, Harold was in for so long that, that he kind of just kept that group out there. Uh, and I don't think that we'll see that continue, but when, with Mark, so the, all of that said, the thing that he does that is most unlocks this team is the passing. And he made these four insane bounce passes. If you go check our, our guy Joey Ramirez's Twitter, um, I retweeted it from the, the Timberwolves game. And like that, just that beautiful structure there, uh, I think plays so easily into what what else he's dealing with in that lineup. So uh, that is one major takeaway for sure, uh, Pete, is that getting Mark going and after a couple of games when he hadn't played in a long time, uh, I, I think that that's going to uh, be an important factor for them. Yeah. Offensively, it was nice to see him find his groove a little bit. In the first couple of games, the Lakers really didn't play through him as much as they had done in that first preseason game that we saw from from Mark. And it was great to see him in some of the delay actions and get more elbow touches and, and just more opportunities for the team to... Um, run motion around him and utilize his decision making from the big man spot as as a passer um i thought he had really good connectivity with lebron there's not a lot of guys who set lebron up for easy baskets and gasol um showed really good chemistry against minnesota um particularly with 
a lot of those bounce passes. LeBron is such a phenomenal cutter and slasher. Um, he just always has the, he just has the ball so much that it's not something that you see a lot from him. But um, when he plays with guys who will reward him, he was excellent at this. Like, for example, with Miami, because Wade was so good at rewarding LeBron with lobs and and with quick hitting passes. Um, but Pete, to get back to the thing that you were talking about in terms of Mark's, Mark's defense, a thing that I was impressed with in the Portland game, especially, is that he was shocking the ball more off of the pick and roll. And Frank really told Gasol like look like you're gonna have to get it out there and, and and pressure on that to make sure that Dame or CJ can't just walk into a three and he did a pretty good job of exactly what of doing exactly what you were saying where he was getting wide enough with his outside foot to make sure that um if he was going to get beat, it was going to be get beat on that crossover back middle. And the expectation was going to be that the guard was going to be there for him to recover or that the weak side big was going to step up and they were going to make the guard make that cross court pass instead. Right. And now that didn't work out in the Lakers favor so much when that the person who was on the receiving side of that skip pass was like Gary Trent Jr. Right. Um, Because he was on fire. But when it was like Derek Jones, that was over there or Robert Covington, I thought the Lakers did a much better job of, of getting over there to, to contest that shot. But Gasol is crafty man. And, and he's smart defensively and he does not have the best wheels he is going to struggle in, I think the formula for him is going to be, all right, is there a shooting big and a non-shooting guard, right? Where he can then sort of play it where he's playing it halfway and not have to worry too much about the ball handler and just waiting for that guy to, for his guard partner to recover so that then he can get back to contest on the big man. Or is it a non-shooting big like a Nurkic and a shooting guard where now my responsibility is more shifted towards the guard, right? Where he's going to struggle is when it's both is like, is there a shooting big and and the pick and roll ball ball handler is also a threat because then he's going to get caught in no man's land or have to make rotations that are too far. And he's going to struggle with that, just like he did against the Clippers, right? Be like that. Yeah, Dallas, uh, when Porzingis gets back or Minnesota with Townsend, Russell, although, you know, Russell really struggled in that game. But yeah, there, there are a few different teams. Uh, I mean, if Jokic is is really yeah. going to shoot that that many threes with Murray, although I still I still think that Gasol, you know, he can kind of recover better on Jokic and just stick to him more because uh, Jokic isn't really going to blow by you. But yeah, but the, you're you're right there. It's like that's the matchup that I think is is going to be where they shift to the AD at five mode more and it's why again that's all that really matters to me is that lebron looks like lebron and ad will get better and the rest of these guys are all talented enough to mix in like it's the it's the simple simple point but yeah no that that's the thing is that's one of the things that i love my irritation tonight aside about the composition of this roster is that beyond lebron and ad they've got a bunch of guys who 
like you know how in Ocean's Eleven or the Ocean's movies, this is one of my few pop culture reference I can references I can pull off because I've actually seen a couple of the movies. <laughs> like there's like everybody has a specialty, right? Like there's like the gymnast dude, and there's the guy that's good with uh, with making bombs or good with the you know communication systems and all that. But everybody has like their specialized job, and Lakers have a lot of guys on this team beyond LeBron and AD, like. Is Dennis Schroeder a top five guard in the league? No, but is he one of the top five of his style, like quick and darting in this, like in, in his specific type of way at what he does? He's one of the best in the league at doing what he does. Um, Trez is another guy. He's one of the best finishers around the rim in the entire NBA. He's not a complete big. He's got holes in his game, but he at what he does he's one of the very best in the league mark is one of those guys too right uh, on the offensive end he's a top five playmaking big in the nba i really believe that and i would love to see the lakers when we both have lebron and ad in the game that's the next step is putting together the minnesota performance of course against an a lesser opponent with a lesser front line but it the we're not even running much, you know, mark at the top of the key, mark at the elbow when we've got LeBron and AD. And I think that that can make, if if AD wants to fit in and wants to be part of the flow, give the ball to Mark and let's run off of some, some screens, right? And let's get you as the beneficiary of some of his passing abilities. So seeing Mark being able to do that on the offensive end and then on the defensive end, be a, like, you know, the idea of a three level scorer on offense, meaning that you can score at the rim at the three point line or the mid range mark at least has a second level where he can competently defend on the perimeter in a trap situation. There are going to be plenty of situations where it's not appropriate for him, but seeing him not just be in drop coverages and be able to be effective at something else, I think is valuable. You know, Darius had alluded to this would have been a different podcast that we recorded after one of the prior games. And I was just thinking if we chatted last night, we'd be talking a lot about Kyle Kuzma and how to, how mm. he, how his game evolved even from preseason um, to the first two regular season games where he's barely missing threes. And I thought that was going to continue tonight because he hit two of his first three. Uh, then he just happened to miss his next four, but he's still shooting about 50% on the season from three, right? He's four for six against the wolves, three for four against Dallas, one for, uh, for three against the Clippers. And then I mentioned he starts two for three against Portland before finishing two for eight. And we know the thing about when he starts, I, I did this stat on, if you were watching the game on Spectrum, last year, nine starts, 20 points a game, uh, high 40s field goal percentage. And 53 games that he didn't start, points go way down to like 11. Field goal goes down to about 42. We spent all last year discussing it. I thought he got unfairly criticized for it. Uh, and that kind of came back tonight where you're going to notice the fact that a couple of his shots don't go in and not notice him as much in the other areas. But like the game is there. The skill is there. I think the, the shot looks good overall. Uh, the cutting looks good. He's got five blocks in four games, right? You, I, I don't know if any of us would have guessed that he'd have uh, more than double the amount of blocks of AD. So I, I have been impressed overall with Kuz. If I'm again, taking this whole weird Portland game tonight out of it, Darius, Kuz thoughts uh, has has he taken a nice little step for you or am I uh, being too generous I think that Kuz is playing really well the things that have stood out to me is his demeanor 
he is very one level with that. So not a lot of highs, not a lot of lows from him, regardless of his level of play. I think that that's important. There's a certain calm that, um, that he's exuding and confidence, which I think is great for him. Um, The other thing that I've been really impressed with is his passing. He didn't do a lot of that this game, but in the previous games and then even towards the end of the preseason, he was making some really good reads out there and really picking out his, his teammates. And that's important, man. Like Kuz, I know Kuz is a divisive player around the league and there are those who look at the whole league and try to analyze the whole league and they're not always complimentary of him. Um, I don't know. I've seen him make real strides. He competes defensively. I think the blocks are reflective of that, Mike, but there's a bunch of stuff that he does defensively that will not show up in a box score at all. Um, just in terms of how he's sliding his feet, how he's making the right rotations. I'm, I'm now almost positive that if I see two people rotate to one guy and Kuz is one of those two, two people, if it's, if it's not LeBron or AD or Caruso that is rotating with him, I'm almost always certain that Kuz made the right rotation and that it was someone else who made the wrong one. Um, he has just been dialed in in terms of like, Pete, I, I know that you watch a bunch of film, but it's like the way that he's Xing out on on some of his defensive rotations and making sure that he's covering for the right man when he's low man, he's where he's supposed to be. These are all super important things defensively. You don't get any credit for these things. If like if it doesn't end with a rebound or or a steal or or a block shot, but that stuff matters for the continuity of your team defense, and he's doing the right things there. And it's no, it's it's not a coincidence to me that Vogel is saying that if either LeBron or AD is is out, that Kuz is going to be the guy that starts for them. It's not going to be Harrell. It's like they're not going to go small and start Caruso or, or something like that. Like it's going to be Kuz, and I think that that speaks to a certain level of confidence that he has in him as a two-way performer. Because if Kuz was only an offensive guy, I don't think Vogel would be saying those same things about him. Yeah, his his team defense has been very good for the the reasons that you stated. I think he's been less less so because he's got talent on the ball, and I think he exhibited some of that last season. I think this year he's been a step so part of stylistically the way that he defends. You have to be really focused because he intentionally, you know, I made that video on him giving up his top foot, which is something that he does by design. But in order to do that, you have to be particularly locked in and focused because you start out at an intentional disadvantage. And so he's been burned by a couple, by some on ball moves. Now, mind you, this was like Kawhi Leonard, Luka Doncic, right? Paul George uh, on an on fire, Paul George. Right. Um, And so those are with those caveats, but I think that his on ball defense has been eh, much better as a team defender, but I want to echo his passing. That's been the, the big thing. So much of like true shooting percentage and other efficiency metrics are impacted by shot selection. And historically, Kuz has been a guy where 
I think that when he takes the shots that he's supposed to be taking, he's been more efficient than his shooting percentages might indicate. But so often it was like, yeah, that's a, you should pass the ball there. And his drive and kicks in particular have been fantastic where he's attacking the basket. And if he can get all the way to the rim, he's going to finish there, but he's really looking, he knows in the NBA that help defenders are usually going to come over and he's looking to make that pass. And so he is, he had a couple of, he had a flip behind a Harrell uh, in the Minnesota game. He had a kick out three to Marcus soul at the top of the key. Uh, He's had a lot of these like drive and dish, drive and kick type of classes with velocity that with his style of play, he's he's developing along with the ability to shoot on the move into this really versatile, does everything except dribble well type of player that are on a team that has plenty of guys who can dribble well, that it is um, extraordinarily valuable and even on nights where his shot doesn't doesn't fall this was a night where i i just kind of flush it down the toilet in general i don't he didn't stand out to me as particularly competing hard or not but in aggregate over the course of this season i've been very impressed with the growing maturity of his game and understanding when to pass when to shoot and the situation and why it's appropriate and where to make that pass to mike you brought him up for a reason you wanted to 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 touch on him what have you been seeing with this game no i mean i i, th- I think you i think we kind of covered it honestly it's just that he's i'm still trying to correct the narrative from last year on him and i've got one buddy who i won't name but is a a, a, you know a media member that we used to get into it all the time about the laker kids and you know this is a lot of it was on espn radio and i my whole point throughout was these most of these guys are better than the narrative because they are young the spotlight is on them the expectations are higher especially once lebron got there um i think that showed when russell left and he was an all-star we can all argue about it hey, we shouldn't have got there or not ingram obviously took a big step up from last year um like on and on down the list of laker guys and so you know even coos the way that he was discussed last year i thought was a little bit unfair and so that's all built into now Frank Vogel, LeBron, AD, they all respect what he does. They all like having him out there for the most part. There isn't all of this tension that there seems to be where there's like two sides of the Kuzma thing and he's got defenders and, and on our side of the coin and then he's got detractors. There, all that isn't going on in the locker room. So that's that's all I've been trying to speak to. Um, this is not a problem. He is a good player. Um, he is a plus player for them. They, they're going to keep figuring out the best situations to get all these guys in the court. And then like last year, it ultimately will still continue to revolve around LeBron and AD, and we will be able to nitpick and what what did Harold do in this game? What how is Gasol progressing? How is Shooter progressing? Is he getting AD the ball in the right spots? Like all that, we're going to keep doing because it needs to be done. But there's nothing that I've seen from these four games that's going to take me off of the uh, the initial page I was on that the Lakers are the best team in the league. Um, they are the most talented team, and they control their destiny. Yeah, I've been weirdly impressed just by that, not weirdly impressed, but they they look so good on the games. So those two middle games, right there, their two wins, um, they've looked so ridiculously good offensively and good enough defensively in stretches where you see sort of the seeds 
of the fruit that can grow that can grow right and 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 understand that they can be so much better on that side of the ball once they're locked in and on the same page. Um, They're not close to being there yet, um, but I've seen enough to make me believe that they can get there, especially with um, specific lineup groupings and, and with their personnel. I've been encouraged by Gasol's play defensively these last couple of games that he's starting to figure things out with this specific group of guys, which he sort of spoke to in um, one of his media sessions that he did recently where he was asked about learning the tendencies of not only the other team, but his own players, because he has to be an anticipatory defender uh, rather than a reactionary one, because he's no longer and maybe never was the type of athlete that could simply react to things and, and, and still be effective. He needs to be able to see things in advance. And that, uh, that not only applies to what the other team is doing, but it applies to what your teammates are doing, right? And how they're going to move and how they're going to react and where they're going to be. And because they're better athletes than, than him, he has to read them almost a beat ahead too, right? Because if he's going to be able to compensate and be in the right place based off of their reactionary things, then it's, like he's out there playing like three dimensional chess in, in, in a way. And he, just like you said, Pete earlier during, during the pod, he seems to be getting his feet under him. Some with that. Um, I wanted to talk about Schroeder some, but I think we'll save that for another pod. Um, he's done a lot that um, has impressed me. He's done some things where I'm wondering if it's going to be like this all year. And, and I think that's a longer conversation but um, Pete, do you have anything else you wanted to say about this team through four games or just like, nah, man. all right. No, nah, man, let's, let's wrap it up here. Uh, you know, this, all of that stuff's great. Got to compete for it to, to matter. We didn't bring it tonight. Hopefully we got, uh, we're starting to hit kind of the stranger parts of this season's schedule. We had these first four games at home. We got two in a row against Memphis, or I'm sorry, two in a row against a row against San Antonio, then two in a row against Memphis, then another one against San Antonio. That's the next five games. So hopefully over those next five games, we can, you know, continue to build. We, we have done some, some good things since the last pod, but tonight was an especially irritating one. So uh, yeah, we'll be back soon to right, cover Pete. all that. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know we're going to be fine, but there needs to be that uh, push. I, I, I just want you, I just want you to go to bed, uh, you know, with a smile on your face eventually tonight. I, I, you know, it's not happening. No, it's oh, not happening. Okay, cool. I'm going to, okay, cool. I'm going to bed upset. This is, <laughs> let me, let me have my process. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Enough. All right. Y'all. All on right. that happy uh, note. See y'all. No, yeah, I was going to say, Pete, it's like any other relationship, Pete, like don't go to bed angry. You can't go to bed angry when, when you're in a relationship, Pete and, and the Lakers, you're in a relationship with with this Lakers team right now. You need to talk it out. Do, do we need 10 more minutes talked. on the pod? Yeah, this is why we talked. You get your frustrations out. They were fair. We acknowledged them. We heard your feelings. We shared many of them. And then we looked to the bigger picture, which is what you're supposed to take into mind. Um, but again, it's your process. You do what you want to do. Uh, just, just trying to help here. 
So I will go to bed mad. Listen to the married wake, people. I, <laughs> yeah, I will bro. wake. I will wake up with eyes on a new day and a brighter future uh, and, and all of that. So just let me go to bed mad tonight and I will be fine tomorrow because we've got a we've got a lot of good things happening for sure. Just uh, yeah, this is, you know, I, I just can't I can't flip the switch. I yeah, just can't. You just, you you know, all right. See <laughs> all right, y'all. We'll catch you on the next one. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. Shot with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe, hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane, back for Gasol, pretty pass, and it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant, picked up by Bell. There's the move, two, one, miss it! It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant, yes! And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.